reports direct from Melbourne courtside and from our offices in New York City. It's the Australian Open edition of the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey, welcome to day one of the Australian Open podcast. This is Ed McGrogan talking with Steve Tigner, who's down in Australia right now. Uh, Steve just... uh, had his uh, first day at the grounds there. Uh, the main draw started. So what um, what did you see down there, Steve? Your uh, first day there. Well, there's a lot of a lot of matches. Um, there's always too many things to see. The on the first day, the schedule is like four pages long, and you know you sit there in the press room and matches go by and people go by. You don't know. You know, there's there's big matches. You, you can't keep track of everybody. I didn't even realize somebody like Kuznetsova was playing today until the match was over. Um, but I got out on the grounds usually on the first day. It's not, to me, it's not worth, it's, you know, it's better to go see somebody who you might not see later than to go and watch a, you know, Federer or, um, I guess, Federer. Right, <laughs> Some, yeah. Somebody but, who's automatically going to win. yeah. Now you're right about that though where they where it seems like players who are even ranked in the uh you know like around the top twenty or so they're just almost afterthoughts and um it just kind of depends it almost is a big deal where they're placed i feel like because you have the you have the the matches that start the day that kind of catch your eye because they're the they're the first ones on the schedule and then there's the matches that kind of uh you know maybe are the the some of the few remaining in the evening and then there's just this big cluster right in the middle. So right. I yeah so I I figured you you picked a couple that uh, you know in that in that huge mass of matches so yeah, well, what did I you went out to see I went out to see Nishikori and Fognini um, I thought that would be an entertaining match I liked both of those guys games and I wanted to see how Nishikori looked he's been starting to work with Brad Gilbert and has had a couple decent results um, and it just ended up being a pretty fun and Nishikori did look good very smooth. Um, not a lot of trouble. He still doesn't have a hugely powerful game. He's a small guy. Um, Did he win it ugly? He won in four sets. Fognini, you know, Fognini kind of blew up. Had a had a little had like a series of meltdowns. He was agitated from the beginning. He was he was banging balls around and angry about line calls from about game one, and that right. never really ended. Crowd got bigger, and he got you know he got more agitated. But um, but Nishikori looked he looked good. You know he's he's a guy who probably always one of those guys who beat people he should beat, but not be beat like guys who are bigger hitters than him. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean he's got he's got some power, some sort of surprisingly good strokes, but yeah, he, I don't think he has the firepower to compete with players when they're on their game like that. Um, I went over yeah. to um, went over to High Sense Arena, a relatively new arena. It's where it doubles as a velodrome. It's not really. I I didn't think it was sort of an impersonal, big, impersonal steel space as a retractable roof, but it's not, you know, it's sort of outdoors in name only. It's mostly indoors. It's one of those retractable roofs. It's half half over the court all the time. Uh, and I saw Monfils, and I got there, and Monfils was pretty much done uh, against Debacher. He, he um, was completely frustrated looking at his coach after every missed shot. Debacher seemed to have the answer for, for everything Monfils did. They got a lot of sort of cat-and-mouse rallies, and Debacher was winning all of them up until 5-3 in the third. Um, then Debacher just, I guess you could just say he choked. There's no other way to, to put it. He 
missed an easy volley, then he missed an even easier one, and then he double faulted for 5-4. And then... Just kind of went from there, because, yeah... Games later, he was almost... He almost looked like he was tanking at about 5-all and 5-6. almost like he'd just given up. He was, he was so frustrated. Yeah, they... They didn't cut to that match on American TV until until it got pretty much at the at the breaking point. But so Debacher, how did he look at the start of that match? I, I mean, he's a guy who we've talked about for a little while. I haven't, I don't just get to see too much of him because he's not really, uh, he's just not really in a, a ton of big events where he'd be on tele, be visible yeah. that often. But how did he look at the start? He looked good. He looked like he was, you know, obviously looked like he was going to win the match. He just looked like um, he was hitting through Monfils. He was he was even doing a lot of he had a lot more touch than um, than you usually think for him. He doesn't really have that, in, but he had it. He was using it well in this match, and he was just whenever he needed a point, he seemed to come forward just and just put the ball past Monfils. Uh, but he just doesn't really have a lot of doesn't look like he has a he doesn't have a lot of flair or feel. He's a he's just a he's a hitter and uh, right. Because he can go off. I, yeah, it's true. You don't see him outside of the slams at all. He doesn't really qualify for the Masters. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm thinking in that time frame back to when it, it seems like it, these these when they have these day and night sessions here, it can almost seem like just the early part of the day was such an entire long time ago, especially with all these matches. The uh, the best match I'd say I saw on television in terms of I guess maybe compelling entertainment wise was this was this Justine Emmett match which kind of just wrapped up not too long ago. Um, mm-hmm. That was she was playing Mirza who who qualified for the tournament um, and it ends up winning this in three, but really did um, kind of look vulnerable for for a little while. Mirza, I think it, she just reminded me of when she was when she was actually. Really, I think she was she was a seated player for quite a long time. Really, was getting good hits off the balls. I don't think Annan was getting her shots particularly deep in the court, um, but I think she just kind of waited waited her out a little long enough and finally just got got into the rhythm. But that was her first match back from um, mm-hmm. first official tour match back since being out since Wimbledon. So um, yeah, she seemed like she was overhitting a little. She um, she was missing long and wide and. On the shots she usually hits, the shots that she she had set up and would usually make, she was she was overhitting. And then I think when she finally had to win, and then when Mirza started to feel the pressure, then it just turned around completely. It, it did feel inevitable that Justine was going to fight her way out of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, did you did you happen? This is another one that got a lot of play over here. Did you happen to catch any of uh, Query, who lost today in five? I saw his fourth set where he. I don't know if he tanked that or he just. Just gave Tanking up epidemic, him. yeah. Um, and then in the fifth, I felt like Kubat was just—I mean, he took the energy. He was, you know, he—he he sort of took over energy-wise the and 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 started to dictate the just the whole tempo and the feel of the match. Um, you know, I was—I enjoyed watching him. Query, yeah, that's a disappointing performance. Um, he didn't seem like he. Seemed like he had the match taken from me. He didn't. He wasn't aggressive enough in, in either as in playing or just in in, in emotionally or, or just the way he the way he was acting or in a way in wanting the match. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did, and he he wanted to win, but he didn't. I don't know. It was a little bit of a. He didn't have a great 
feeling from him as you know, competitively. Right. Yeah. He's he can be a, he can be hard to convince you sometimes. I just I just what I wrote about that was I always just think about when you when you can ask these questions about him performing at the the highest stage. I think most people are at this point are still going to point back to that French Open disaster where he just kind of basically admitted that he wanted to get off the court as quickly as possible. So it's it's a pretty poor start to the year for him, no doubt about it. Yeah, um, Fish almost went with him. Um, yep, exactly. He, yeah. he seems to do that. He did that in the first round of the Open, the U.S. Open this year, and he came back and won. It's, I guess he has got to be those first-round nerves that, that get to these guys. It's, that's the, you know, it's, they all say that's the toughest, toughest of the first week is the very first round just because you don't want to lose in the first round. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I, and I, but I guess it always separates when you think about we're talk like where we see fish and query and a lot of these guys that we always seem to ask the questions if they can ever make that leap from from uh, you know the top the the fifteen to twenty five area to the bigger you know to the bigger ranks. Um, it's I think it's a matter of really that these matches become second nature. I'm not saying that they're ever going to get to that point, but when you talk about the guys. The, the absolute elite guys, you know, these first round matches are just, you know, they're just almost an autopilot, and and they just in a tournament where you got to win so many matches over, and you really still don't get too much of a break in between them. That's where I think the big gaps, you know, there's a there's a huge drop off between not only Federer Nadal and the rest of the guys, but once you get past Federer Nadal and you get into that other ranks, the top ten, and then it's an even bigger drop after ten to the you know the twenty area. Yeah, I also saw. Speaking of first round Americans, I saw Ryan Harrison as well, who you know had a big moment at the U.S. Open, and, and this one was, seemed pretty depressing. It was completely different. Nobody. It was very small court, not many people watching. Nobody, no real supporters there, and he had a very tricky kind of opponent, a French, a French guy, Manorino, who um, didn't. He's a he's a tough little player. He. He's good. He's 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 smooth, but he didn't give Harrison much to work with, and and Harrison just couldn't put together the points. It was um, it was a very frustrating match for for Harrison, and he said afterwards he's still you know realizes he's still got a long way to go, and you can see it from this. The way you describe Marie, I can't Marino Mariana. I can't remember his name, but the way you described him almost reminded me of um, like someone like Jill Simone. Is that accurate at all? Like he doesn't give you a ton of pace necessarily but he's kind yeah. of a, a sort of a, a good shot maker in a way yeah i think he knows you know he's he's a crafty player he knows how to put together points but which is mostly keeping them putting the ball down the middle and letting letting the other guy either win or lose the point but but he has good anticipation this guy he just didn't he doesn't look like a tennis player he has a beard and he, I mean, he looks more like a <laughs> poet or an actor than a tennis player it must have been which must have been even more frustrating for Harrison. <laughs> yeah, took something out of the Yanko Tipsarovic school, I guess, of uh, <laughs> right. appearance or something like that. Um, yeah, so that was pretty much day one from what I, I saw over here. Um, is there, I don't know if you took a look at day two at all, if there's anything that, you know, I mean, it's the rest of the field that you didn't see today, they'll be on there. I don't know if there's anybody the in particular. Big, um, obviously, you're the big one, big night match is, is Hewitt now Bandian, which down here obviously is getting hyped even more than than anywhere else but that should be a good match those guys have some history they got into a they got into a, they had some words at this tournament a few years ago um, Bernard Tomic a uh, you know, 
sort of another controversy. Australian is playing, and a woman I'm not sh- I don't know how to pronounce her name uh, yet. A s- new Serbian uh, young player. Oh, Jovanovski. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in seeing her. She's she's um, there's a lot of talk about her as well. So she's playing tomorrow, and also right after that, another an Italian girl, Romina Oprandi, who's also sort of considered a young up-and-comer, so I'll definitely be watching them. Good. Yeah, we look forward to the report. So, um, yeah, and we'll talk tomorrow night, of course, too, So, uh, or tomorrow morning here, tomorrow night there. So we'll be back tomorrow with the second day's podcast, um, all of Steve's reports from down in Melbourne and everything else going on at Tennis.com. So thanks for listening, we'll talk tomorrow. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 